Welcome to our Social Impact, brought to you by the Prison Scholar Fund, that has a mission of providing education and employment assistance to help incarcerated people succeed and thrive in society while avoiding homelessness and the revolving door of incarceration. As a nonprofit, we rely on investments, board members, and volunteers. So please connect with us. Visit our website, prisonscholars.org. Send us an email at info at prisonscholars.org. You can find volunteer opportunities, learn about becoming a board member, and make an investment on our website. You can also make an investment through Patreon, where you can find us at Prison Scholars. Without further ado, welcome to the next episode of our Social Impact. Thanks for joining us. Today we have Noah and Commitment Israel with 3D Sustainable Development. And they have a really cool product that we'll talk about today about basically printing houses with recycled concrete, so to speak. It's a lot more complicated than that. So I'll let you tell me all about it. Great, well thanks for having us today, Dirk. We really appreciate ha having us on. Um, so yeah, like you said, we, we've, we've built a large scale 3D printer for printing sustainable housing and infrastructure. And it uses our own formulations of high and ultra high performance concrete that can contain up to 60% waste material. So when you talk about 3D printing, my mind goes to those little desktop 3D printers. Is this the same kind of printing, just bigger for a house? Um, basically with some uh, optimizing uh, adaptations to particularly address the architectural uh, direction that we've chosen uh, to uh, print large-scale domes. So it's 44 feet in diameter and approximately 25 feet tall. Now, are they all 44 feet, or do you have different sizes? Uh, now at this point, we only have the one uh, size, and uh, we are, are, as we grow, we'll uh, uh, branch out into larger. Thing. We have a patent uh, that was issued to us this year for the um, variety of sizes, so it's not limited to that particular size, but th that was our, uh, our prototype size. Okay. And so the houses themselves don't go up to 44 feet in diameter. They, the max um, house size we can do on that printer is 38 feet in diameter, and that can be up to or just over even 1,800 square feet of living space. Okay. And how did you come up with this idea? Well, I was uh, hired to do material development and technology to, uh, applications uh, in Ghana a number of years ago, and seeing the uh, lack of uh, talent in in the age range that could really address the scope and scale of the uh, uh, housing need in Ghana. Uh, at the time, they were needing over a million homes to uh, s s simply address their fundamental needs, and government workers were uh, living in very uh, substandard housing, even though they were being paid by government. So I was, I was hired uh, to go to Ghana and study the, um, the situation. I was, I was toured by the housing ministers in the country and got to experience a, a wide variety of situations. Having been uh, in uh, CNC manufacturing in my past and at the time as I was working with these uh, high reactive uh, concrete materials, uh, 
one thing led to another and I realized that we could uh, address the housing uh, need by doing large-scale 3D printing before 3D th printing was a thing. Oh, so interesting. And, well, uh, and do it using a lot less labor, because like you, you were mentioning, there's, a, there's a, a real gap in their population. They don't have the same labor force um, due to war and, um, and AIDS. Yeah. Uh, so they're missing a whole gener generation, basically. So really, needs be really needs to be automated then. Yeah, so uh, using automation allowed us to address the large numbers needed with uh, a, a relatively small workforce. and. Uh, re-empower uh, village life, which, which was our particular focus. Uh, most of the construction coming into the country was mostly uh, focused on the large cities and creating a, a major lack of infrastructure in villages, which is where most of the population uh, lived. And so it was displacing those populations by lack of housing and infrastructure. So we were looking to address that specifically. So um, the, the Ghanaian government did issue us an, an MOU or a Memorandum of Understanding for 10,000 houses with an opportunity to increase to 50,000. Um, but this was just back when he was developing the idea and the concept, so we uh, uh, didn't um, want to dive in, to go from zero to 10,000. Um, gotcha. <laughs> so anyway, we, we've... Uh, been working at getting the company together, you know, developed the materials and the technology over the last, um, you know, 10, 15 years, and, um, yeah. and, and so it sounds like you have the, uh, an edge on the technology, tell me about the materials, you do something unique there too. Yeah, we've been using uh, high strength and ultra high strength concretes that are uh, five times or more the strength of typical uh, construction grade concrete. And by using, he means been developing recipes. Yes, and well, actually, and test and using them in test uh, building. So yeah, I heard some of it's sustainable. So do you recycle concrete or? What well, kind we of can recycle uh, a variety of materials, and we're selective at this point. But but ultimately, uh, we can address uh, large streams of various sources of of, of waste streams, um, mining wastes. Uh, and all the way to municipal wastes in various forms and isolation. So we can recycle glass, we can uh, mine tailings, um, which are a major problem around the world. There's there's you know, tens of thousands of sites that have large uh, waste piles. And all of this can go to your concrete mix? Um, I can't say all of it, or like but, but large, of it. large volumes of it, millions upon millions of tons. So we're looking to partner with um, in industrial waste producers, large-scale industrial waste producers, and, um, and mining operations and uh, uh, remediation organizations to uh, address these large-scale uh, deposits of waste and streams and, and to convert them into our high-performance concretes basically on-site or you know, close to where they are being they produced. Okay. I had been in the construction business for uh, most of my life since I was a teenager and one thing led to another and as I was uh, transitioning from uh, uh, the previous company I worked with, uh, I was looking at, at uh, w how we were going to evolve in, in, in sustainability, that being a forefront in my mind 
in moving forward and seeing the state of uh, disposable housing that we are we have been building and are currently building to uh, economic life of housing being 65 years uh, that didn't seem as sustainable as uh, some of the ancient constructs that uh, lasted thousands of years. So that's what piqued my interest uh, as I got deeper into studying the, the current state of our infrastructure and housing that, uh, that it needed some further attention. And I wanted to devote myself to uh, addressing those fundamental issues and problems that cause us to not have a legacy housing where uh, for the last thousands of years that's that's uh, what people focused on was be able to pass on their their housing infrastructure and therefore relieve the financial burdens on their generations uh, by building structures that lasted a really long time and so that's yeah. what we're that's what was motivating me and but, so yeah. it's a commitment how did you get involved you just uh, fell in love with what dad was doing um, well growing up with my father, I have always had an interest in sustainable, or sustainability and, and specifically sustainable building. I, I, I dove in realizing that I had a good mentor say to me um, how much, noted to me how much I light up when I talked about what my father was doing and how he was building this new technology and I, on my 28th birthday. Um, inspired me he said you know that that you really should go into business with your father the way that you light up when you talk about what he's doing says that you uh <laughs> <laughs> i think you make dad proud uh, <laughs> yeah i don't know if he knew this story <coughs> he does <Pardon>. now <laughs> <laughs> but uh that's beautiful so that was that was it that on my 28th 28th birthday i had that advisor be like this is what you should do look no further and i said you know you're really right <laughs> Go so I, I love it. I love the sustainability angle. I love the passion. Tell me about the business sense. Aww, Tell me about the business model <laughs> behind this. Well, you know, I, uh, I, I, uh, couldn't be uh, more uh, impacted by uh, imparting a, a love and desire uh, to impact people's. And in a supportive way, and it's been my my life is to create uh, uh, sustainable village uh, environments, and so that uh, would really address major uh, life support issues and relieve those as much as possible in my life. And so, to have my daughter, uh, you know, make whose name is commitment to make a commitment in her life to. That same purpose is uh, very humbling and uh, inspiring. I like it. That's so great. So, what's the cost to build one of these houses? Well, uh, well and how do you kind well of the first one has been over a million. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Uh, well, that's so you know to develop so developing the machine, the technology. Yes, so it's really yeah. an in-depth question because, uh, because of scale and scale. You have a lot of it. In, in, uh, Startup costs. Yeah, we have a lot of startup costs at this point, but as uh, as we get into larger projects uh, and the uh, the technology maturing, uh, that'll help drive the costs down further. But at this point, we're targeting uh, roughly thirty five 
the 40% less than conventional construction costs. And that's here in this market. In, in this oh, market. So we're looking to hit the global market at, at um, and, and, and get our costs down for a 500 square foot structure. We want to hit the United Nations target of $35,000 for a completed structure that's at 500 square feet. So as we've mentioned, our machine can do much larger uh, houses and then the local market most people don't want a 500 square foot house you know even though there is a tiny house movement but I mean but really um, you know that's too small for in this market for most places but globally when we're looking to address you know um, several hundred to several thousand house contracts we're going to be um, working at that $35,000 goal for completed turnkey structures um, on that scale okay they kind of describe how the construction process works, and the people that are watching this on the video, they can they can see an overlaid video of it going on. But the people just listening, you can kind of describe what it looks like or how how the process goes. Um, the process is uh, basically a, a cleared site. Uh, we uh, excavate for a ring beam and cast a uh, a slab on grade floor system and then attach an inflatable uh, form to uh, that structure and, uh, and install our rail system that which is the assembly of the, of the printer itself which uh, has taken uh, four to six hours to assemble on site and uh, we inflate the, uh, the inflatable structure and begin print and within a, a few hours, uh, we build up the, uh, the structural uh, form of it and add insulation and a final uh, coat of the finished outer surface. So it sounds like you have kind of an inflatable bubble on the inside, mm -hmm. and then does a person spray the concrete on top of it, or is that a robot no, arm? No, that's, that's a robotic system. Yeah, and, and the, the nozzles move at two and a half feet per second, so it's really laying a lot of material. That's how we can get a, a completed uh, structure in, in under eight hours. Of that size. So I'm just imagining that the concrete would like drip and slide down the structure. Is it really fast setting, or like once it's, it's on, it's kind yeah, of on? Yeah, it's part of our uh, formulation. It, uh, evolution was to uh, create material that would uh, allow us to apply materials in, se in a sequence that uh, would uh, self-support. Really quick setting. And quick setting. Yeah, so earlier, Commit was telling about the strength of your concrete. Maybe uh, run that down real quick uh, for the people that don't know anything about concrete. Mm -hmm. So uh, regular concrete has an average of 2,800 to 4,000 psi. That's that's or pounds per square inch of compressive strength. So and that's that kind of a measure of strength for concrete. Is that the concrete you see on sidewalks and Correct. things like that? Correct. That okay. would be more on the lower end of that for sure. We yeah, would, that'd be, be up at 4,000 for uh, for sidewalks. But um, but so anyway, so that 2,800 is is more like the average concrete uh, pounds per square inch. That that's a compressive strength. So then that's, um, that rating is how, um, how the other grades of, sorry, how the other grades of concrete are, um, are rated there. So then we have our recipes are high performance concretes, so that's anything over 8,000 PSI. And our, our regular recipe, the high performance concrete, is at 15,000 PSI. So it makes, you know, it's, it's at least three times 
greater strength than regular concrete. And we also have recipes that fall under the category of UHPCs or, or ultra high performance concretes, and that's anything over 17,000 psi. And so we have our recipes up in that uh, that grade that go up to 25,000 psi. So so that's the like the real specifics of it. But basically, what that means is is that there um, have far greater durability and longevity to be able to withstand natural disasters and just you know the the, the wear and tear of, of climate <laughs> general climate as well and addresses corrosion issues which are prevalent in even bridge construction that's one of the major downfalls of our infrastructure to date has been the corrosion issues and so we've addressed uh, these formulations so that they're not impacted by typical corrosion we see in the industry. So what kind of supporting structures are inside the concrete? Do you guys r use rebar in the process? No, we don't. We use uh, fiber reinforcing uh, that are particularly h high strength uh, and uh, basalt uh, passive reinforcing to address the code issues that are typically required to, to have uh, for structures. So uh, concrete or concrete is typically reinforced with rebar, but it's actually one of the weak links of concrete, being that uh, most concrete is permeable, meaning that the water water can get in, and um, that ends up being the the weak link. When the water gets in and and rusts rebar, it causes oxidation and expansion, and that causes cracking and crumbling. So that's that's called concrete cancer, and that's one of one of the key issues in in why we have so much crumbling infrastructure is the penetration of water. Vapor. Or vapor, you know, um, getting in and rusting rebar and causing that um, the cracking, and then also the water water getting in through through those pores also um, causes freeze thaw, which which is when the water water gets in, freezes, and it expands again and causes the crumbling and cracking. So with our recipes being um, very near impermeable, um, or essentially impermeable. It, it you know negates a lot of those those issues. That's fascinating. So it sounds like you kind of started off with building these houses, but there's a huge market for your concrete. Yes, and the industry is um, very very slow to adopt uh, new materials in the in the construction world. Uh, so a product introduction cycle is is very quick at 20 years. Wow! So, uh, so, so that's why we're looking to just put our put our concrete mixes to use ourselves, Directly. deploy them with our um, with our three D printers, and so we're also looking uh, to license our technology um, the world over to developers and, and engineers qualified. Um, anyone qualified that's looking to, to do large-scale developments, so that will will uh, be a channel for our mixes as well. So we can um, sell them to our licensees. So it sounds like you had the first mover advantage, maybe by a, a pretty good gap. Is there anybody behind you, or who else is in the space doing similar well, work? Uh, there's a, well, an increasing number of, of larger scale uh, uh, construction startups. Uh, I know of uh, probably ten of them uh, that are at different stages of it. Uh, it really we've depends. addressed a particular. Sorry. It really depends on which which market you're looking at, because if you're talking about concrete specifically or 3D printing, it, you know, there's, a, there's a lot of overlap yeah. between yeah. your technologies. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. So so uh, high performance concretes definitely um, exist and are on the market. We we just have we have formulations that are, bring them down to more uh, more comparable in cost to to more affordable. Yeah. To applications like this. But but yeah, you want to talk about three D printing the. Um, the competitors in the space, or we, we, we like sure. to think of we like to think of um, anybody doing it more as as uh, helping pave the way, because um, there's a long way to go in in building, and there's a there's a lot of barriers with um, with the permitting and, and the regulatory process and the uh, the need for uh, high quality low cost housing is massive beyond our. Uh, any, uh, any one of us pr uh, addressing it completely or, or so to uh, even have a very small percentage of the market is a huge challenge no matter who you are so we so have yeah um, United Nations Habitat estimates that we need three billion new houses in the next ten years which is really? an That's astounding number of houses it's it's three times more houses than we have a human race have ever built and we need that in the next decade when you break it down that's an, an addition of four thousand houses per hour need to be being built so, <laughs> so how much of that market do you want <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we want to help facilitate as as many families as possible to be adequately housed so however we can accomplish that with as many participants and cooperators as we can and licensees huh? and licensees uh, is what we'd like to accomplish so where are you at now where's your uh, your traction or your progress do you have any well, we, you have our, we have yeah. our first licensee uh, to, to address um, uh, First Nations housing in uh, Canada and, and we, we have a pilot project for that, a six-house pilot project for elder housing for a First Nations tribe up there. That that project has been submitted to the Canadian government, call for inno innovation, uh, innovative solutions um, for funding for that project. So we should find out next month if our licensee um, got the funding for that one. So that's an exciting piece. We have a, a second licensee is in LOI or letter of intent. He's been building concrete dome housing uh, by hand uh, uh, around the globe for a number of years. Hundreds so of units. Uh, wow. Know, large scale. Without the machine, same yeah. concept though. So he's been chopping at the bit to get one of our machines or at least one of our machines for a number of years. So uh, he's happy to see, see where we're at. We're just about to dive into, into manufacturing of our machines. He basically demonstrated to me that uh, uh, that the market was uh, very large and he spoke to that directly and demonstrated that uh, it could be done even in the most remote locations. Uh, and and so has, has witnessed the need the world over. He's been traveled to many countries and has had several countries uh, offer sovereign guarantees so that's one of our next pieces. We're going to try and figure out how to get sovereign guarantees bonded or financed, because and we also, like I said, we had that bi the big project from Ghana as well, where they wanted to offer a, so a sovereign guarantee. So that's going to be a big a big piece for us is, is figuring out how to get those massive contracts as, um, financed. So speaking of financing, how do you pay for all this? How do you pay for moving forward until until the traction hits? Do you have investors on board, or is this all we self just bootstrapped? 
we've we've done a lot of bootstrapping. Uh, we've had friends and family. Uh, we've personal investments and um, the typical startups sound. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and uh, and then we've just launched into raising our first round of investment funding and got our first uh, independent uh, investor. Interestingly enough, who's a mechanical engineer and builder. Nice. And so so a lot of people like to a lot of people ask you know why domes? Why we start with that? Um, that structure. That I was shape. actually going to ask you why the dome. Yeah. Uh, so the 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 first piece is is the uh, durability of the shape. That shape uh, can withstand natural disasters, earthquakes. It it, it disperses uh, impacts um, very well, so it's able to withstand. Yeah. Yeah. The Romans have been doing arches for years. Yeah, and it has uh, very high resistance to winds because it doesn't. Uh, behave like a sail. It 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 it, it uh, behaves more like a wing. So uh, high winds uh, get deflected. So um, it can withstand the, the tornadoes and hurricanes. Mm -hmm. um, and um, it's uh, fire, uh, not entirely fireproof, but you know fire resistant to normal uh, forest fires and that kind of thing. Grass fires. Yeah, being uh, a concrete dome, I would yeah. imagine. Yeah. So, so another reason why we went with with the dome was to be able to address the roof issue. So, um, to be able to go straight from from wall to to roof uh, in in a continuous piece of of concrete, all all you know bonded together, very, very strong shape, and also does not have that um, the the fire like exposure. Yeah, yeah. At, uh, at the uh, wall roof. Uh, juncture is a weak point in most uh, rectilinear constructions. So it addressed our ability to be able to 3D print this in a, f in a first generation and, and create a, a viable and valu valuable product that would be highly resistant to natural forces. So that was, that was the combination of, of design criteria that we were addressing and we were able to accomplish that. We're looking for sustainable people that have the same uh, desire for social justice and uh, are looking for uh, to join us in bringing the technology to uh, fruition on all levels. Hit the other side of the market. Yeah. So that's <laughs> kind of interesting too. It's like uh, it sounds like a really great product, but do you what's the uh, the consumer sentiment? Like people that want to buy these houses, do, do a lot of people want to live in domes or? We don't need a lot. We don't need everybody to live in domes. <laughs> we, we, uh, Just we've, we've had a, our prototype dome that we've had uh, uh, hundreds of people tour through, and, they, and uh, the vast majority of them uh, love the feeling of it and say, I want one of these. I, I've heard that dozens upon dozens of times while walking into a, to a, a, a dome structure. So it's so a pretty good market. Yeah. And well, we also have had so much interest just come through our website with no, no marketing of our of our website, but just so much interest from people that want us to just build single a single family home for them. So so we 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 feel those calls all the time that, that that's not what we're doing at this time. So but it does it does speak to the market and the general desire for for a, a more sustainable structure and and the people really like that dome, that dome shape. And so what we're doing right now, we're looking to do development scale. We're business to business, looking to connect with governments and um, affordable housing organizations and um, other developers, in particularly in disaster-prone or stricken regions that want to build 
um, large-scale developments. And that will allow us over time to address uh, the single house or, or, or cluster housing uh, market as we have more depth of capacity to be able to address those. And are these single stories or like is a dome big enough you would have maybe a, a layer on the inside of the yeah. second floor? Yes, yes. The larger, so the 1800 square foot structure, that would be with a second floor. So what are your current needs? What, uh, what do you need to get this thing off the ground in a way that you're happy with? Well, first, we're, we're diving in, like we said, to this this round of funding to get us through phase one. We're, we're doing two rounds of funding, and that's to launch our manufacturing facility. We do need a couple key people. Do you want to speak mm -hmm. speak to? Well, we need a whole list of yeah, people. Yeah, we have a but whole. We, have, <laughs> we, we are definitely uh, looking for talented uh, folks with the right spirit to uh, help uh, really bring this to fruition. So, yeah, what so kind of people do you need to get on the bus? Um, well, from programmers to um, millwrights uh, to assemblers and people willing to travel. And then we do need a, a few members for our concrete production, our concrete side. production and and mixing and then and and precasting. Mm -hmm. you know, so there's a so anywhere from IT engineering pros, computer people, mm -hmm. all the way to construction professionals. You got it. Fascinating. And international sales. And international yeah, sales. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> keeping my eyes out for sure for, for someone who has construction experience or Some development. Some <laughs> Yeah, development sales. So that's... Well, awesome. Noah, commitment. Thank you so much. I'm excited to see what happens next. All right. Thank thanks you. so much for having us, Dirk. All right. <laughs>